1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Reaction Time. I am Jacqueline Cordova, and I am joined by Ben Visser. Uh, a lot of wrestling, as usual. We had a big duel this weekend at home with the Big 12 home opener against NDSU. Ben, how are you?
0: Jackie, I'm wonderful. Yeah, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. a lot of wrestling. Technically, not really a lot of wrestling last weekend, but we got some Huge matches coming up this weekend against Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. But like you mentioned, North Dakota state last weekend, um, went about how I expected. I think the the score was close to what I expected. I'm not sure how the teams got to that score is necessarily how I expected Iowa state. Um, and the matches one eight to two. I, Iowa State won eight matches. North Dakota State won two matches. I think I expected more seven to three, maybe a six to four. If Iowa State didn't wrestle as well as I thought they would, but the reason North Dakota State got the fi- the final dual score was twenty six to nine. The reason North Dakota State got that nine is because at one thirty three, Kellen March pinned Ramazan Adesayev. So that was, I think, the big surprise of the match for me. Um, I don't know that I expected Ramazan to win. But um the fall was unexpected. But Iowa State winning eight out of 10 matches was a huge positive, I think.
1: You know, I feel like we came out of the Wyoming duel feeling the same way where we knew or really had a strong feeling that Iowa State would come out of it as a winner, but we didn't expect it to go quite like it did, which, like you said, definitely a testament to Iowa State, a positive, but definitely a really tough loss at 133 with Ramazan. Um I think it's just, I think we so often forget how young these guys really are just because we've been around them for so long, especially in Ramazan's case. I feel like he's been here for literally ever, <laughs> um, but he really has it. And so it's definitely tough when you get caught in a cradle the way he did and you're pinned in that first period. Um, he was definitely upset. He marched straight down to the tunnel after. So For a competitor like him, you definitely know he did not take that easy. And in in the post-dual presser, Coach said he isn't really worried in terms of how he will look moving forward as he has faith in him um, that he'll use this loss as only a motivator to improve.
0: Yeah, and that that pin, like you mentioned, he got caught in a cradle, was unfortunate because so Kellen March from North Dakota State shot in on Ramazan's legs. Ramazan defended it for a long time and he defended it really well. And it got to the point one at one point where it looked like Ramazan might actually get the takedown on a counter. But then as that counter was happening, Ramazan's head got too close to his knee. Colin March gotten, got him in the cradle and it was over pretty quick after that. So it was a really wild swing of emotions. Be like, okay, Ramazan is defending this attack. Oh my God. Ramazan might get a counter attack for a takedown. Mm -hmm. Oh no. Ramazan got pinned. So, that was, I think that match lasted like a minute and 14 seconds, but that was a wild minute and 14 seconds. It was very eventful. Unfortunate um, for Amazon. So we'll see how he can bounce back this weekend against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, which we'll get to later. But um, we can talk about, we've talked about, we started a weird spot a little bit, but let's talk about 125 and Kyson Tarrakine a little bit. Um, you have said he is one of your favorite 125 pounders that you've covered for Iowa State.
1: He, you know he is and I usually tend to like 125 pounders I'm very like on opposite ends of the spectrum I tend to favor 125 and heavyweights um I don't know why that's just kind of how my brain works but with Kyson, I feel like I was telling you earlier I feel like we've really kind of glossed over him he's you know he's been winning matches he's been making like significant wins and bringing in points in every duel but I feel like everyone isn't really surprised by it. So we just kind of gloss over, like, oh, Kaisen Tarakino won great, moving on to what happened at 141 or 149 or 197. So um, I think, in terms of why he's my favorite, I think Kaisen, as young and as much as he still has to improve, he's able to go into matches and just is so quick on his feet. He takes so many shots. You see him put, Full effort from start to finish, and sure he'll make mistakes here and there. But I just feel like he consistently shows up ready to improve in every match. And when I think back to past guys, uh, you know, Alex Mackle was a very uh, important 125 pounder. But there were certain matches where I felt like we walked out of them disappointed, and like we like the matches we expected him to win. Occasionally, he didn't. And it was over just random. I can't even think back to matches that I would walk out of angry, but I remember there was where I'd be like, Oh, I fully anticipated him winning this and he wouldn't, or there'd be matches where some of our past one twenty five pounders would just stall or just coast (laughs) coast through as much as they could without even taking a shot. And with Kyson, I feel like that's different. I find him so scrappy and he's just such a fun, um, uh, I think backstory in terms of just, you know, coming from Hawaii, his, you know, his best friend, uh, Corey Cabanban, who's also 125 founder came from Hawaii and is now here, you know, competing with him. And then his brother wrestled here and then their connection to uh, Dane. And it's just, it's a really cool story. I don't think we've talked about enough, just all the connections of how he ended up at Iowa state from Hawaii. And I just think we need to appreciate more how scrappy he is when he goes in there, regardless of who he goes up against. Cause if you go back to Iowa, he had a great match.
0: He did. Absolutely. Um, yeah. He beat, it, it wasn't Spencer Lee. Obviously Spencer Lee is out for the season with an ACL, but I was, Iowa, and they always have good guys up and down their lineup. So, him beating, I don't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, and I don't have it pulled up, but him beating the Iowa guy um, was really impressive. And you said earlier that all Kyson Terrakina does is win. And I just looked up his wrestler or his record. He is one of two wrestlers for Iowa State starting lineup that is undefeated. It's him and David Carr. They're both undefeated. Exactly.
1: Like, and we, just, we have I had no idea until I looked at his it. record.
0: <laughs> like oh we should we should talk about him more and if you look at the rankings he's only ranked like what 22 or something like that for intermat and it's just I don't think I think a lot of people are sleeping on Tyson he might not have he might not have faced top-end competition yet um, but he's faced some quality guys and he's beat them all and like you said he is an offensive wrestler he's going to get to his offense his duck that he hits is beautiful and it's just so fun to watch him disappear and um, get behind guys with that duck that he does. So, um, no, he's fun guy to watch. Absolutely. Because he is offensive. And like you said, right now, all he's doing is winning. So props to Kyson.
1: He beat Iowa eight to two,
0: eight to two. Do you know the guy's name? Just so I don't
1: Jesse. And then someone's gonna him out at me if I can't pronounce it. Right. It's Y B a R R a Yes. Okay.
0: Jesse Ibarra, thank you.
1: Um, I'm trying to pull up how Jesse's season has been going, um, but yeah, it just Kyson definitely flying under the radar, and to be the only guy who's currently undefeated next to David Carr, I think is definitely something to note.
0: No, absolutely. Um, and then 141, Ian Parker beat Dylan Drogo Mueller of North Dakota State. It's been a very Ian Parker fashion. It was seven to four. He got his takedowns. He rode hard. Um, and he got a quality win over a a ranked opponent, but not a highly ranked opponent. And then Jarrett Dagan, he beat a freshman named Gavin Sachs. Um, <laughs> him winning isn't the story of the match. The story of that match was Jarrett Dagan took an actual shot and he got the first takedown of the match, which Jarrett Dagan usually gives up the first takedown of the match and he almost never shoots a shot. Jarrett Dagan's an upper body guy. He likes his trips, he likes his overhooks, his underhooks, things like that. So Jarrett Dagan took a committed shot at Gavin Sachs's leg and he got, after some scramble and rolling around on the mat, he got the takedown. And that was the only takedown of the match. Jarrett Dagan won seven to two. There was a few reversals in there, some riding time. So Um, a weird Jarrett Dagan match, but also in that same sense, a very normal Jarrett Dagan match, just because it was kind of weird.
1: He is just, (laughs) I tweeted this, but definitely I think everybody who watches Iowa state wrestling will, and including his coaches are going to miss having such a funky guy on the mat who comes out a winner in the weirdest ways.
0: No I'm sure his what,
1: opponents won't miss him. I his mean, opponents yeah, will don't. not
0: miss it because how do you wrestle a guy who wrestles like Jared Dagan? Because you don't know what he's going to do half the time. You don't know if Jared Dagan knows what he's going to do. And he just, he just tries things. And if they work, they work. If they don't, he finds a way to wiggle out of them and still end up on top somehow. So no, it's no matter what happens with Jared Dagan, it's always a really fun match a really interesting match. So um, yeah, it's sad that this is his final last year, but, uh, really fun to watch. And then David Carr, one fifty-seven. 57, he won seven to three over Jared Franick, um, a guy who he beat by major decision last year in the duel. And then he beat by decision in the big 12 tournament and the big 12 championship match. Um, that was a match where Franick didn't. He had no offense. He, I, don't th- I think he took one committed shot and it wasn't really that committed of a shot. He was just trying to hold on to David Carr and make that match as slow as possible.
1: I feel like the thing with wrestling someone like David, when guys are going in to face off against the number one guy, I don't care how many times wrestlers or coaches tell us, like, we prepare the same for every match. It's the same every time we never change course. We're only focused on this to a certain degree. You have to prepare differently if you're going to try and beat this guy or at least win. at least if you know, you probably won't win it, try and make them win by the least amount of points. Mm -hmm. And so to go in and just try for dear life to just hang on to him, to not just um, catch and release you the whole time. I think it's the smartest thing he could probably do.
0: Yeah, it's Before a fine strategy. <laughs> Don't give up the major decision. I strategically agree with it, but I think that's where you get to a referee and be like, "Hey, I think there was only one stall call in this match. Maybe it should have been a little bit more, because, like I said, only one committed shot from Frantic. I'm not even sure is that committed of a shot. So um, that's one where I understand the strategy. I get the strategy, but his goal, Jared Franick's goal of that match was not to win his goal was to not give up a major decision. And in that he succeeded, but man, open it up. It's a dual meet. It's not a tournament. Try to win. See what happens. If you take a few committed shots, like who knows, maybe get to David's legs. No one does really get to David's legs because he's always in perfect position, but try. So that's my, that's my gripe at 157 with Jared Franek. And we're going to get into white sheets from Oklahoma state a little bit later. I have a bigger gripe with that, but um <laughs> Yeah. For dual meets, open up, see if you can get a win, but he was wrestling. He was wrestling to not give up the major. And that was a little bit disappointing, but it is what it is.
1: Well, and like, you know, stall calls are just so inconsistent. In my opinion, it truly comes down to who is the ref. I believe because like you said, to literally take one shot, the whole entire duel or entire match and the ref not once thought, oh, this guy's stalling. (laughs) Um, it's definitely something I think, uh, for those of you who may not have listened to the presser, I asked coach about David's match because, you know, David Carr, number one, coming off of his 45th, right. Mm -hmm. You can correct me. I believe it was his 45th. Yep. His 45th straight win. He did not look excited. he, quickly ran off the mat and uh, coach said that when they got in the locker room, David already had a strategy for how he wanted to change for the next match. What areas he thought he could improve, which again, is just another sentiment to the greatness that is David Carr who can come out of his 45th win and say, I didn't do good enough. I need to go be better. So
0: no, that's (laughs) that's an incredible mindset to have because most guys, if you're winning 45 in a row, you're doing everything right. You've won 45 in a row. There's nothing to change. There's nothing to improve upon. But for David, getting winning convincingly by decision, seven to three, you don't give up a takedown. Winning convincingly isn't enough. He wants to do more. He wants to win by those major decisions. He wants to get those pins. He wants to win by tech fall. And that's what's, I don't know if he's going to be a three-time, four-time national champion. I don't know that. But that's what's going to carry him to be to set himself up for those opportunities. He'll have opportunities to be a three-time or four-time national champion. So, and it's that mindset that's going to do it for him.
1: He said in one of the availabilities this season, that one of his goals is to pin as much as he can. So I think when you walk out of a match, only winning seven to three, when your goal is to pin every single guy you face, I can definitely see how that turns into a, a a disappointing win, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if we've mentioned this, but Jared Franick was the number seven ranked wrestler um, coming into this. So he's a good wrestler. He has a chance to be an all American for North Dakota state this year. So we're talking about David Carr winning handily and easily over an all American caliber wrestler and him wanting to keep taking next steps. So like you said, it's a testament to where his mindset is.
1: Yes, it's definitely a happy spot to have David at, just right in that sweet spot in the middle of the lineup when going through these duels. Because then, you know, we moved on to Isaac Judge, unfortunately, who lost two to one.
0: Um, and then no takedowns much, in that match.
1: You know, it definitely. I I said this at the immediate <laughs> table. I just get such a weird enjoyment out of watching coaches toss that challenge brick and. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. You know, these are some of the like toughest coaches. They are just, you know, they're, they're machines. They're nuts. They're very high intensity guys. And dresser was so pissed. You could just tell because he even tripped over like, kind of like, I don't know what he did to it. It kind of stumbled out that he had to do a quick loop to find it again. Cause he was yeah, so slipped angry. slipped out of his
0: hands when he tried to throw it the first time. So it, <laughs> it actually went backwards and he threw it. So he had to go find it, pick it back up and actually toss it out to the ref and, Yeah. They're, they're challenging a locked hands call during that. They said it was inconclusive. Um, if they had gotten that locked hands call, it would have been two, two still with no takedowns and, um, they would have gone into sudden victory, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Isaac judge. We talked about it last week. He's beaten some good guys. He's lost some matches. He shouldn't have. I think you can categorize this one as Luke Reber is ranked number 14, but this is a match. Isaac judge. He can win this match. So, uh, it's yeah. Neither one of those guys is an offensive wrestler necessarily, but, um, yeah, no takedowns, in ma- no takedowns in the match is rough.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely a tough one, especially when you manage to get that one point at the buzzer, um, in the third period. Cause then at that point, it just doesn't matter, unfortunately. So, um, and then Joel Devine came in, did his job six, six and zero win, Um, Marcus Coleman, who we talked Mm -hmm. about last week too, having a great season. Uh, He went in and defeated DJ Parker, 16 and zero with five minutes uh, in five minutes. Sorry. Um, Coach, I think said it best when he said he's the guy who went in and did his job. Like, it's not just about winning. It's about winning how you should, which I guess sounds weird, but Marcus Coleman is ranked number nine. And DJ Parker is not ranked. For Marcus to go in and have decisions, that would have been a disappointing one. But he went in and got a perfect 16 and out, which I think again says a lot about Marcus. Um, I am going to be putting out a story of uh got to talk to Marcus about what's kind of clicked for him. And he talked a lot about how he just feels that he clicked in his maturity. Like mm-hmm. something about his maturity just really changed how he started approaching the mental preparation of going into these matches and um, I won't give up too much. So you guys have to read it, (laughs) but um, a lot of it came from Nate Carr. Who's kind of really taught him how to go into matches, uh, not necessarily having like an ego so big that it clouds your judgment when trying to go in and get a win, if that makes sense, you know? So I'm definitely excited to see where Marcus takes this um, into the end of the season, where I think it'll really, really, really show how much he's improved.
0: Yeah. And for those that may not know, Nate Carr is David Carr's father. And he is what the director of operations for the cyclone wrestling or cyclone training center, or what's his, do you know his official title off the top of your head? Nate Carr's. Uh,
1: I do know. I, I want to say it's something like that, but. Yeah, it might be something different.
0: <laughs> it might be something. He's something with the cyclone regional training center. Um, he's the associate director, associate director. Okay. Perfect. So I'm a, that's going to be a fun story to read, but B I think that makes a lot of sense because you've always seen Marcus Coleman have this high end ability. You could tell he has the physical gifts. He has the technical know-how to win high level wrestling matches, but some of them he would just lose for some reason. And I think him taking that next step in mental maturity and figuring out the mental aspect of it Is what's going to allow him to insert himself in this All American conversation at 184.
1: Yeah, I feel like, you know, sometimes when we're watching these guys wrestle and compete, and, you know, we see their rankings coming out of high school, we see what they can be. And um, I feel like some of these guys that are in Marcus's class just had a really good start and had some wins on paper that they might've not have been expected to so that when we do see them kind of continue to go through the season, like say last season for Marcus, it's hard to forget that like, not all athletes have the mentality that say David Carr has, I feel like David wrestling maturity in terms of how he approaches being an athlete is very intense compared to Marcus, who, you know, clearly was still kind of trying to get on the wagon of being very disciplined with his weight, making sure he shows up hundred percent in practice. And I feel like those are things that he clearly has finally found um, a way to turn that on and make sure he's making his weight and making sure he's feeling a healthy and strong uh, athlete at his weight. And, you know, little things like Like coaches always say, going to bed at the right time. So, um, but yeah, love to see it, which then we can transition into an actual youngin' Sam Schuyler. (laughs) He is, you know, I am really enjoying him coming into the press conferences, and I look forward to when he starts joining us in availabilities that tend to be more laid back because he is just as off the cuff, I think right now, as any of the athletes can be since he's so young and kind of getting his foot um, in the door in that aspect, but he just loves to come in. And again, like we said, last week, loves to tell us that he just loves not cutting weight. And I feel this week, we really got to hear more about it more in a, in a serious tone than, you know, laughing about it, where he talked about how as an athlete, he feels he's a lot more open to enjoy the wrestling he's doing and enjoy going into matches because he's not cutting weight. And I think for as, especially as intense wrestling fans lose cutting weight is just the most normal thing that we talk about for these athletes that we just assume it's the status quo for everyone. And I think for someone like Sam to be able to come in and admit like, no, that's just not for me. And so to have bumped up to 285 where he's really feeling himself more, I think is a honestly a really mature thing um, for someone who is uh, at that point in their career. So I am enjoying him and I bring up his weight because the guy he went up against in his match with NDSU was a big guy. This is Huge. a big
0: heavyweight. <laughs> Huge. Brandon Metz is a massive, massive human being like, you don't often find guys who cut weight to get down to heavyweight, down to 285, but I would not be shocked to find out if Brandon Metz cuts weight to get down to 285. He is a massive human being. And like you said, Sam Schuyler wrestled at 197. So he's a small heavyweight. And Brandon Metz was ranked. It was going to be a really interesting matchup to see if Sam Schuyler could really insert himself into being that ranked wrestler territory, being a, a bona fide NCAA qualifier type of wrestler. And to do it against a huge heavyweight was going to be really interesting. Sam Skyler got two takedowns. He didn't get taken down. He won five to two. He rode pretty well. And the fact that he was able, and they weren't counterattacks that Sam Schuyler scored on. He scored on his, old, his own attacks. And I think that's huge in heavyweight because a lot of times in heavyweight, if you shoot, you're not the one to score because the guy sprawls. He puts all 285 pounds on you and he just kind of rotates himself around to get behind you then he secures the takedown. So the fact that Sam Skyler was able to get takedowns off his own shots against one of the biggest heavyweights in NCAA um, wrestling is really, really impressive. And I think that's a good win for Sam Skyler.
1: Which it's funny because um, following the match, uh, Sam went on to say that he felt he respected him a little too much because he could feel- I think you could see that
0: in the first period too. He was respecting a little bit too much.
1: He said he could tell that this guy was coming in and going to throw him around. Because again, I don't blame the guy. When you are this big of a heavyweight and you look at Sam, who is so small compared to you, yeah, I'd try to toss him too. So that's why I found it so impressive when I was watching him try to do that. And Sam's feet did not leave the mat. He fought tooth and nail and did not allow himself to be picked up, which again, very impressive.
0: Absolutely. And then I do want to go backward in time a little bit to 197 um, with younger Bastida and he wrestled Owen Pence um, who is ranked, but not as highly as younger and younger was winning that match seven to six super entertaining match. Um, so he's winning seven to six in the third period. And um, I think this is where you start to separate yourself as a wrestler is a lot of times guys will start to employ the Jared Frannick um strategy of just hang on, just hang on, try to get your win seven to six. But younger Bastida went out and he hit a signature fireman's carry with like 30 seconds left or something. And it was one of the most beautiful fireman's carries you'll ever see. And he flipped the guy over. And this is, I think, where another thing you're seeing younger Bastida transition from folk style or from freestyle to folk style is when Younger first started hitting those, because that's been a signature move for a long time. When he first started hitting those, he was used to freestyle. So he would never actually secure the free, the takedown like he would in folk style. He would just flip the guy over and in freestyle, that'd be two points. Um, in folks, all you actually have to secure the takedown. You could tell he tweaked his um, fireman's carry a little bit to make sure he secured the takedown. He got the takedown one nine to six. And I think that just is a huge Testament to younger that he is willing to go out there and win a match. He's not going to hang on to the guy. And that might be growth from last week when he lost to the, um, Wyoming the number three guy I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head Um, but that's a change from last week where it seemed like Younger was maybe holding on this time he went out and he made sure he won the match and I think that's huge for Younger to keep that aggressive mindset since he is such a freestyle and offensive wrestler
1: well I think it just Shows a lot. Buchanan,
0: of, Stephen Buchanan is the Wyoming guy's name. Sorry, continue. Yes,
1: Stephen Buchanan. <laughs> no, you're good. Good name for a uh, wrestler, Buchanan. He, uh, no, younger, I think it says a lot about his confidence as a wrestler because I remember back to when last season when it came to his time to pick up or down and he would always look back at the corner and the coaches would always say neutral. Except that one single time when Coach felt he needed to be challenged, and I can't remember who it was. I think you'll remember. It was a ranked guy. All of the fans I remember on, on Twitter, on everywhere they were like, "Why would he make him choose down?" And now we're sitting in a situation where Younger said, "No, I want to go down," and the coaches were like, "You better make something good happen if that's what you're gonna do." So, and he got a reversal.
0: He he chose down, and he got a reversal.
1: And I know we, I wasn't expecting it.
0: Were you expecting it? No, absolutely not. I'm just like, well, if he can get an escape, (laughs) that's a win. Not only did it, he didn't even get an escape. He got a reversal, which was, yeah, the last thing I expected.
1: Yes. I just, he, he definitely, and he said it himself. He said that the, he feels the most important thing they've been working on is his um, the way he's able to compete on bottom. And he felt he said to himself that that night he felt uh, the confidence. He felt the confidence to pick bottom and come out on top, and he did. And coaches always said that Younger is someone who hates losing, which I always feel like is such a cliche because everybody <laughs> who, hates losing. Who likes losing? losing?
0: Who, yeah, who takes that well?
1: But when you're, I guess, the intensity of it, I feel like the way you said he tweaked things from last week to this week is a, a sentiment to that. Like he hates losing, so he tweaks something, which I think takes a very skilled and talented wrestler, someone who's able to take a loss and actually show a change, an improvement, or something to show that they are actually trying to be better instead of just continuing to go through the weeks making similar or the same mistakes, really. So,
0: yeah, yeah. You mentioned the short term adjustment that he made. And then going back to the match last year that you're referring to long-term adjustment, it was, um, number six, Rocky Elam younger lost that match five to four. He chose down. He got rode out. If he would have chose neutral, gotten a takedown, he wins that match six to four or, and, or no, not six, four, six to five. And maybe the Rocky Elam gets an escape. and goes to sudden victory tied at six, six, who knows, but he chose down. He got rode out. That's a learning experience. He takes that learning experience over the course of a year Now he's choosing down. He's able to get escapes. He's able to get reversals. So um, younger's progression, I think is just going to keep going and going because he's willing to make short-term adjustments. He's willing to focus on long-term adjustments and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. But I think he is a legitimate, very legitimate all American threat.
1: I think younger in general is just dangerous. He is just a terrifying guy when he comes out of that tunnel and as much as his opponents can try and prepare, I feel like NDSU probably wasn't prepared for him to pick down when you sit and watch past film. You're probably like, Oh, he's definitely not like, he'll be good. You can write him out. So I think he has an edge where I don't think his opponents can really fully prepare for him.
0: That in that respect, as well as he is maybe the strongest or the second strongest 197 pounder in NCAA wrestling this year. You can see guys be surprised by how strong younger Bastida is when he shoots a shot. Some guys will try to defend it by sprawling, putting their hips out, and trying to dig in some underhooks, but they can't. He just drives through it. And uh, you can see guys' faces. They get surprised by how strong younger Bastida is. And um, an absolute joy to watch. And we'll talk about him more later on as we get into talking about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. But yeah, he, younger Bastida, has a very, very high ceiling and he's raising his floor too. He's becoming a very complete wrestler.
1: Yeah. He's definitely going to be exciting. I mean, I think honestly, I'm pretty excited for the team as a whole. Um, we can definitely transition into this upcoming weekend. It's my personal favorite duels of the season, at least Oklahoma state for sure. How can you not be excited? Um, Iowa State is headed to Oklahoma. They'll compete against Oklahoma on Friday um, at 7 p.m. And then Oklahoma State on Sunday at 2.
0: Yes, I believe that's what it is. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I know it's on Sunday, though.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's Sunday afternoon. Um, I am super pumped. I love these duels. They're always my favorite. I have nothing but respect for Oklahoma State. Absolute powerhouse of a program. Love and hate them at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> Love and hate John Smith. Um, very sad that I have not been able to be on the floor to photograph this duel in a long time. Um, since last year, we weren't allowed on the floor mm. thanks to COVID. So maybe next season or maybe Big 12s.
0: Big 12s, you could do that and make a trip down to Tulsa.
1: Hey, I'm I'm hoping so. It's it's on my to-do list of things to discuss with video when the time comes. There so, you go. But we can start, you know, with Oklahoma, which is on Friday, always a good match. A lot of, a lot of changes on the roster that I don't love. 141.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They moved Dom Demas to 49, but now apparently Dom Demas is out. He didn't wrestle last weekend. Um, and for those who may not know, Dom Demas and Ian Parker have one of the best rivalries in college wrestling. Every match, they are not like an intense, they hate each other type of rivalry, but a rivalry, like. Every single match they wrestle is four to three, five to four, three to two, something like that. And it's so intense because their styles are so different from each other. Ian Parker is a grinded out get in your face. He's going to hit his um, single leg shots. And that's pretty much what he's going to do. Dom Demas is upper body inside trip. He's trying to go big and their clash in styles is so fantastic. And it makes for awesome wrestling it's not always a ton of scoring because they both respect each other and their style so much, but, um, man, it's fun to watch just the little chess match that they do. One guy gives an inch, the other guy takes the inch and it's just, man, fun, fun matches, but it sounds like that's not going to happen. They moved Demas up to 49, but now Demas is out. So, um, Oklahoma, they, I think tied for the big 12, championship last year, or they were got, they got second. They had an incredible tournament. Um, but they're not quite as, mm, they're not doing quite as well as they are, are as they did at the big 12 tournament, they still have some of the same guys, but the problem with Oklahoma that I see on paper is that those guys are go big or go home. And I'm mostly referencing the Mantinonas there. They got Troy mantonona at, um, 165, I would believe, and then Anthony Mantinone at 174. Two brothers from California, who are pin or be pin type of wrestlers. Every position they're in, they're trying to pin somebody, and that's great if it works because then that's six points. And if they both do it, that's 12 team points for Oklahoma in two matches. If it doesn't work out like that, I don't. They don't win by decision very often. I'll say that they mostly win by pin. So. Um, if they don't win, it's gonna be a six-point swing the other way. So Oklahoma has a few wild cards in there that make predicting a duel against them very difficult because they've beaten the Mantonotas, they've beaten some really highly ranked guys, but they've also lost to some guys who are like, I don't even know who that person is. So um Oklahoma has a really interesting team makeup.
1: Yeah, I feel like the the match against Oklahoma is always one of those where you always remember like, oh yeah, Oklahoma isn't necessarily like a huge, like crazy, consistent powerhouse type of program. But then you go into the duel and they'll end up surprising you. Like you said, it always kind of ends up being a toss up of where things might go, which is why I always really enjoy the duel. Um, Currently on Intermat, they are ranked number nineteen. So Iowa State will face off against number 19 and then number three, Oklahoma. So still ranked uh, big 12 opponents. Um, Definitely devastated personally over the Ian Parker, Dom Demas match. I always look forward to that, Um, but definitely excited to see, um, you know, like you said, younger has a tough opponent and Jake Woodley we have who else do they have?
0: Let's see. Justin Thomas at 157, and yep. that's not going to be necessarily a match to watch. It's a match to watch because David Carr's in it, but Justin Thomas is ranked in that 15-16 range. Um, it'll be interesting to see what adjustments David Carr makes because, like you said, his mindset is to get pins. He wants to get pins. He wants to win by bonus points. Um, this is going to be an opportunity against a mid-ranked guy to get those bonus points, to get a pin. So we'll see because Justin Thomas is not a slouch. He's a pretty good wrestler. He's once in big matches. What's David Carr able to do against a Justin Thomas that maybe he wasn't able to do against Jared Afranic? I think that's one thing to watch at 57.
1: And I think the thing with David that I like and find very just interesting, just because when you look at some of the top wrestlers, they tend to have very like chip on their shoulders, very like, you know, their attitudes are very rough around the edges because they're hungry for those wins and hungry for that reputation. And David is just the smiliest, just like (laughs) warmest person in the room. So it's funny because, you know, David's in the wrestling room right now, practicing his head off, asking to be challenged, working with his coaches. So I definitely think that he's going to come into this match and be determined to get the pin. I, I will not be surprised if he, gets one, honestly.
0: Yeah. I pin absolutely in play. I think at minimum, a major decision happens. I don't see, I I'd be shocked if Jared or if David Carr doesn't win by at least eight points. Um, I could see him shutting him out because David Carr doesn't get taken down. I think he got taken down once all of last year and he hasn't gotten, I don't believe he's gotten taken down this year. So um, no, David Carr has a chance at a shutout against a A quality opponent. Um, And then like you mentioned, 197, younger Bastida, he's going to be wrestling um, Woodley, Jake Woodley from Oklahoma. I looked it up last year, Woodley beat Bastida 12 to zero, major decision. And I think that's one of those things, one of those areas of growth where Woodley got the first takedown and younger couldn't get up. And then Woodley chose top and younger couldn't get up. So um, I think that's going to be an area where If they're in a close match or if Younger does get taken down, what does he look like once he's on bottom? I think that's going to be really interesting to watch.
1: And then let's see what else we got here from Oklahoma.
0: Heinzel Minnett heavyweight could be interesting just because he's a low, not a, he's a low ranked guy. He's ranked in the twenties. Sam Schuyler's obviously just coming off his win against Brandon Metz. So, can you keep that momentum going against another ranked guy, but not highly ranked guy, just to really cement himself in that NCAA qualifier territory? I think that could be a good one to watch as well.
1: Yes, I look forward to seeing Sam Skyler continue to be kind of pushed, especially as he says that his focus is to continue to wrestle like he would at 197. And like you mentioned before, heavyweight wrestling is very different from every other weight class. So, um, especially a tall heavyweight. Yeah. Um, Josh Heinzelman is six foot. So yeah, big, big heavyweights.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Another one, um, that I don't know how, how good of a match it's necessarily going to be, but one thirty three Ramazan Adesayev has Number 14, Tony Madrigal. And Madrigal is another, another one of those where he's not quite as pin or B pinned as the Mantinonas, but he's inconsistent. And I'm not expecting Ramazan to win. I'm not planning for him to win, but I'm interested to see how he wrestles in that match because Madrigal can be a big move guy, but he can also lose matches in weird ways. So um, that's going to be one where if Ramazan stays in position, and doesn't do anything too weird. He, he could end up with a pretty quality win against a ranked guy. So that's another one where, um, that's something to watch for at least.
1: Yeah, i definitely, I feel like because of who he, who Ramazan is as an athlete with, you know, that the, just the anger he had last week and how he's going to use that to translate into a good performance this weekend. Um, I definitely think he will be determined to bounce back. Um, and, and against a guy like this, I think he definitely has an opportunity to be challenged, but also prove that he can come back and come back stronger, especially since he hasn't really been able to have matches, which is kind of the sat, the frustrating part from that pin is that he was so excited to get back. We haven't really been able to see him since he's been out. And to come back and get pinned was a rough start. So definitely excited to see how he translates. Cause I definitely would like to see him go through an entire season and have that starting spot and see how he really translates out in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um to give a match prediction, I think Iowa State probably wins this one, less both Mantanonas get pins. Um, but I don't know if I see that happening. Um I don't know. I think Joel Devine is um, steady enough that I don't think he'll give up position like that and get pinned. Isaac Judge is a little bit of a wild card, so we'll see what he does. But um, I think Iowa State wins this one somewhere in that 20 to 15 range. Um, but it'll be a, it'll probably be the best match yet for Iowa State. Um, Iowa was obviously pretty good, but outside of the Iowa dual, um, Iowa state hasn't wrestled a ton of super competitive dual meets. And I think this could be one where on paper it could go back and forth a little bit, depending on pins and how guys do, but, um, no, it should be a good, good, fun dual meet.
1: Well, and I feel like that's kind of been the frustrating thing. And in, in terms of, you know, watching and covering the team is, you really want to see those guys go up against really tough opponents. The Iowa duel is the Iowa duel. It, it, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's hard to look at it like objectively in a sense of this is exciting. They're going against like the number one team because there's just so much that goes on around it because of the rich history of the rivalry and the fans. And there's just a whole different energy of it. So, when we look at Iowa State heading into their Sunday matchup against um, number three, Oklahoma State, I am pumped. You know, this is a very, very good program. And I am so excited to see them really be challenged by a team who's currently on their, it's currently undefeated. Yep. So, yeah, and they've wrestled good
0: opponents too. It's not like Oklahoma State hasn't wrestled anyone, they've wrestled some quality opponents.
1: No, Oklahoma State has. Uh started with Stanford, then moved on to Minnesota. They already battled Oklahoma, which is who they beat 31 to 3. Um, they wrestled Wyoming, Utah Valley. Just yeah, it's it's exciting. And they'll face off against uh Northern Iowa on
0: Saturday, uh, the day before.
1: Yes. I was like, what day? It's the 29th. Yes, they'll face off you and I, which is another team I'm really looking forward to, which we can talk about that later on, but, um, focusing on Oklahoma state, we have been hyped about this duel, not only just because it's Oklahoma state, but because younger was going to have the opportunity to wrestle number one, Hmm. um, AJ Ferrari. But unfortunately, uh, AJ Ferrari was in a car wreck last night. Um,
0: fortunately when you're listening to this,
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. I forget it is Tuesday for us and it'll be Wednesday for you guys. Um, AJ Ferrari was in a car accident. He was injured. Um, it sounds like internal bleeding, some, uh, fluid in the lungs, but thankfully it sounds like he's going to make a good recovery. Um, but the initial reports were pretty scary. I saw that he had to be lifelighted. Yeah. Um, it's a crazy, crazy story. Um,
0: Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's state. offensive coordinator their for football, their offensive coordinator saw, his, saw the car and it was on fire and he literally pulled AJ Ferrari from the burning car. Like this was a serious, serious car crash that AJ Ferrari was in. He was with, he was coming back from a youth wrestling camp. Um, he was with another Oklahoma state athlete, a runner, I believe. And the runner by all accounts, everyone's going to make a full recovery. There's no life threatening injuries which thank God it. sounds like AJ Ferrari got the worst of it. Um, with the internal bleeding with the fluid in his lungs, with having to be pulled out from a burning car and being life lighted to a hospital. So, um, no, that was a very situ very scary situation to pay attention to on uh, Monday night and follow that and make sure that he was going to be okay. So we don't know what his timelines like it's safe to say he's not going to wrestle this weekend. Um, Fingers crossed if he's able to, he'll wrestle big 12s, but I don't know how realistic that is. I'm not sure many people know how realistic that is, but it's it's really tough to see because AJ Ferrari was absolutely electric last year as a freshman. He won national championship as a true freshman and he kept on rolling this year. So to see a guy like that have to go through something like this um, is unfortunate, especially because you'd like to see what younger Pastita can do against him. Because last year, And I'm pretty sure I'm correct on this. Younger Bastida was the only person in NCAA wrestling to take down AJ Ferrari. So that would have been a fun match. I'm not saying younger would have won, but I would have liked to see that match. But obviously AJ Ferrari's health comes first and, um, you hope he makes a full recovery.
1: Absolutely. Just one of those situations where this is bigger than the sport. And, um, I, it's definitely been super, uh, I don't know what to call it heartwarming Uh, just to see my timeline filled with so many positive thoughts and um, tweets being tweeted at the team. And um, I mean, ESPN covered the story, which Mm -hmm. AJ Ferrari is worth an ESPN story. So when you see college wrestling in an ESPN story, it's kind of something big happened. So definitely sending positive uh, vibes and prayers out to AJ and his family and um, of course, everyone involved in um, the cross-country runner. Uh, I can't remember his first name. I know for sure Rodriguez is his last name. Um, but, yes, sending positive thoughts. He will definitely be missed this Sunday. Um, but overall, Oklahoma State is still a stacked team. Should be a good uh, measuring stick duel, as we like to say. Um, which match would you say you're looking forward to the most? Um,
0: well, a lot of them. Um, I'm going to start at 125 because that's when I have pulled up. Um, Oklahoma State has Trevor Mastro Giovanni um, at 125. He's ranked number six. So this is going to be probably Kyson Tarakina's biggest test of the year so far. It's going to put his undefeated uh, mark up against the test. Or, or, yeah. And I think that's going to be a real telltale sign of where Kyson Tarakina can go. If he can pull off an upset here, he's earned his undefeated record and he should be talked about. Is he going to be an all American? So right now I think Kyson is firmly in the NCAA qualifier. Maybe he can get to round of 12 type of guy. If he beats a guy like Trevor Mastro Giovanni, I think that really puts him into that next level of, okay, he's a serious contender for all Americans. I think that's a big match for Kyson.
1: Um. You know, like I said, I'm always looking forward to a 125-pound match. But, um, yeah, I think it's definitely for Kyson and so many of these guys are about to have competition that is, you know, top 10. They have been consistent throughout the season. And I think guys like, you know, Ramazan and guys like Isaac who really just, who really just needs to find that... He just needs to hit a stride, you know, because you hit the pin, but then you had this loss. So he really needs to find that match, whatever it is that is inside him to help him get there. Um, hopefully this weekend he can find that. Um, I think against OSU, they're sixty five pounder. I don't even think he's ranked. Is he?
0: Um, let's find out real quick. I think he is, but uh, yeah, Travis Whitlake. Number six.
1: Oh, okay. I was definitely not thinking of him. Um, Yeah, because I don't even... Oh, see, this is why I'm not thinking of him because Travis Whitlick, uh, um, he hasn't wrestled
0: Uh in two duels. So he might not be wrestling then. That's a good point. That's a good thing to point out.
1: (laughs) Okay, yes. I was like, I was looking at their last duel and I don't think his name was in there. Yes, Jalen Harper... who has been wrestling in uh, Whitlake's place. So, I mean, hopefully for Isaac's case, he can get Travis because that would be a really good um, opponent to try and get a feel for yourself and where you're at um, as you continue to go through the season. But, yeah, I guess I wasn't even fully aware that Travis was out.
0: No, I so wasn't either. Funny. I'm glad you pointed that out. We figured that out with each other, with each other's helps. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm pretty sure they do have a rank guy at 65 and they do, but he is currently out. So.
1: yep. And then, I mean, yeah, back to Ramadan. I mean, he'll have number two date and fix.
0: Yeah. That'll be a rough one. Uh, that's, that's one where Ramadan could try to do the old Jared frantic and hold on for dear life and try not to get majored, but <laughs> uh that's what Dayton Fix is a really high level wrestler. He's ranked number two, but number one is Roman barvo young and I'm not sure that there's really a big distinction between number one and number two at one thirty three so that's gonna be a really tough match for Amazon. I'd like to see him open up just like I said, it's a dual meet it's not a tournament. see what you can do so um that, that's my thoughts there, but Dayton Fix is gonna be tough um at one
1: eighty four. Uh, definitely excited to see, uh, Dakota gear who is a graduate student, AKA he's old.
0: He's been there forever.
1: <laughs> so just like you and I had talked about, it's so crazy to look at these guys like Dakota gear, who feels like he's been here absolutely forever, which I can pull up the exact year, which is 2016. <laughs> um, Because it's just so funny to me when we were covering Willie Miklas and every single week, it was like such a funny joke to sit and talk about like, Willie, you are so old. You are such a standout. Like coaches talked about how him being in the practice room wasn't even like having him on, on the roster. It felt like they had another coach, which truly is intimate to Willie who now is a coach at Michigan state, but it was just so funny seeing how all of us were like, wow, Willie's sold. So Can't believe he's here. And now we're at a point where there's so many guys who are wrestling at the age that Willie was at the time.
0: Well, for even for our state, Ian Parker, Jared Dagan, those types of guys. So yeah, we're in a different era right now where man, those guys, they can keep on wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. So no, Dakota gear is a really high level opponent. Marcus Coleman, I think they're ranked eight, nine. I think Marcus is eight. I think Dakota gear is nine. Um, that's gonna be a really fun match just to to see if Marcus can solidify himself as a true all American contender and one that guys are gonna to have to look out for at the NCAA tournament.
1: It's definitely one of those where it's like, all right, you were able to walk the walk and talk the talk against the guys you should have been doing. So now let's see how you can show up against a guy that you will have to beat to get farther at NCAA's than you have been. So Definitely will be fun there. Curious to see who's going to come out at 197.
0: Yeah, that'll be really interesting. I'm not even sure who their backup 97 pounder is. Um, I'm not even sure they know who it is. When you got the number one guy, why change it? So, uh, well,
1: I'll tell you what, when you look at their 2021, 2022 roster and you dive in 197, it is just AJ.
0: It's just AJ. Oh boy, just
1: AJ Ferrari.
0: Do they have an eighty-four pounder that can bump up?
1: <laughs> well, they're definitely going to have to. Yeah, uh, they got a few
0: eighty-four pounders. Yeah. So there's eight of them. So they'll they'll get one of those guys to bump up and they'll wrestle younger. But man, that's that's uh, that's rough. I mean, it's like Iowa State last year. I think David Carr was the only one fifty-seven pounder listed for Iowa State last year. So. That's what Oklahoma state was banking on this year. And now they're going to have to, well, one guy is just not going to cut weight this week. So I'm sure they're not complaining too much.
1: You know, when you're the number one guy and you're that type of number one guy who, yeah, you don't need a backup. (laughs) No. Um, And then we got our sweet heavyweight match with Sam taking on Luke server.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. That's Oklahoma state doesn't have a lot of holes, but heavyweight is definitely their hole. Um, I think this is a match that Sam Schuyler should probably win. Um, Oklahoma state may or may not have built, been looking in a transfer portal for a, a heavyweight wrestler. Um, I'm not sure that that's going to happen at this point because I believe classes have started, um, but I'm not going to get into too many details with that just because I'm not sure how much I can actually say, but um, yeah, Oklahoma state may have been looking for some reinforcements at heavyweight, in the transfer portal. Um, Obviously I don't think that's going to happen at this point. So there, that might just be a hole for Oklahoma state this year. Um, So that's a match. I see Sam Schuyler winning relatively handily.
1: You know, and it's crazy because it's like John Smith out here recruiting what heavyweight wouldn't want to go wrestle um, for John Smith at Oklahoma state. Yeah. So definitely will be, definitely will be interesting to see who they find to really fill that spot and get to that, you know, top 10 caliber, top 15 caliber that you tend to see in his lineup. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. And then going backwards a little bit, a 149, I think, could be a really fun match between Caden G. Feller and um, Jarrett Dagan. G. Feller is ranked number 14. Dagan is, I think, underranked at number 21. I think he's obviously proven himself to be an all-American wrestler, considering he's been an all-American, what, two or three times now? Two times. Um, so I think that's a match where Jarrett can really reassert himself back into that conversation of, hey, I'm still a top-ranked guy. Like you guys are disrespecting me by putting me down in the twenties in these rankings, I, I deserve to be in the top eight ranking. And obviously if you beat your who's ranked 14, you're not getting to the top eight yet, but you're, you're moving yourself up back to back up the rankings. So um, that's a match. I'm interested to see to see um, if Jarrett can reassert himself as a top top end guy.
1: Yeah. I think some of these Iowa state guys have some funky ratings compared to, I think what they're wrestling is really showing but I think overall um just the rating system is just a little off the season with cancellations and people being sick I mean what was it in the coaches rankings? Ian Parker wasn't even in them because he just hadn't
0: really wrestled. He didn't have enough matches. Yeah. You have to wrestle a certain number of matches to be in those coaches, the coaches panel rankings. And Ian didn't meet it. So he wasn't ranked. And we obviously know Ian Parker is a top 10 wrestler, but um, he was unable to be ranked, because he didn't have enough matches. And yeah, like you said, tournaments have been canceled. Dome meets have been canceled. So it's hard to really hammer down rankings. And Jared Dagan didn't start the year at 149. He did start the year at 149, but it wasn't the start at 149. That was Ian Parker. Ian Parker moves down. Jared Dagan's now in the lineup. So how do you rank him? But um yeah, it'll be interesting. That'll be a fun match. And then the other match that I I don't, I don't think it's going to be a good match, but I'm interested to see how it gets wrestled. Is at 157, David Carr against Wyatt Sheets. Um, you may have remembered earlier in this podcast, I was complaining about how Jared Franick wrestled um, David Carr. Wyatt Sheets, r- last year, when Iowa State wrestled local in the state, wrestled the most conservative match I had ever seen from a ranked wrestler. Wyatt Sheets wrestled the entire match from his knee. He, he was on one knee. He was in a three point stance essentially with one hand on the ground, one knee on the ground, and he was doing his absolute darndest to make sure he wasn't going to get taken down. And I, again, I think there's only one stall call called the entire match. I don't think why Sheets took a committed shot. David Carr won by decision. It wasn't a major. And it's just one of those where a, how aren't there more stall calls and B is this really how you're going to wrestle a division 1 opponent? You're just going to wrestle from your knee and concede that you're not going to win and your whole strategy is to just not give up a major decision or bonus points? Um that's a that's a rough one. And the interesting thing about Wyatt Sheets is his dad Mike Sheets is a two-time NCAA champion for Oklahoma State. I would It'd be interesting to get his thoughts about his son's strategy during that match, because <laughs> if you're a national champion, you probably didn't wrestle too many matches from your knees. So um yeah, no, that one that one to this day rubs me the wrong way just because you're you're conceding that you're not gonna win. And I think at that point, a little bit it's on the ref for hey, you gotta get off your knee, call a few stall calls, get him up, get him, get some action going. But um, Jer- I remember David Carr after that match was frustrated too, and he should have been because the guy literally didn't get up from his knee once, and it was, it was ridiculous. But that's that's the end of my rant. There, I'll let you talk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a fair rant. I mean, if I if I remember correctly, everybody was screaming. And oh,
0: people were pissed.
1: You know, it's like for the I don't know if I want to say integrity. That sounds kind of dramatic. A little bit, like almost, but like if you're roughing this match and you're watching this kid just cling to this, to this, I don't remember what David was ranked at the time. I think
0: three, I think they had Deacon and someone else above him.
1: But like, if you're roughing a wrestling match, you know, you know exactly what's happening. So it's just crazy to me how inconsistent these stall calls can be. I get it. Maybe if you're in a higher energy match where you're still trying you know, you just watch both guys do a lot and then it's kind of slowing down, but you are physically just watching this kid cling for his life and David can't do anything. There's nothing that frustrates me more in these situations. When you watch the dominant wrestler kind of stop and look to the side and say, is this really happening right now? It just takes away from the fun of the sport. It takes away from the match. It takes away from the momentum. It just, yeah. There's nothing I appreciate more than when you have the guys who very clearly just aren't going to win the match, but you watch them trying to take shots and doing their best within even those final seconds, because every single second does matter. So like you said, these guys really do just need to just literally go for it. You already have decided and know you're going to lose. So just do it for the sake of feeling yourself out. And it's a privilege you get to re- like face off against this guy before you head into March like you might yeah. as well just figure yourself out where, where do you physically feel yourself struggling against the number one guy?
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think they're doing themselves a disservice if they don't actually go out there and wrestle how they usually wrestle. But I understand strategy and making like feeling the guy out and scouting him. You know, David Carr likes his low singles. He likes his sweep singles. I understand trying to defend against those types of moves, but go after your offense too. So, I think I, I think we can leave it at that for the most part. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma State is going to be probably the best duel. I know I just said Oklahoma is going to be the best duel, but Oklahoma State happens two days later. That's probably going to be the best duel, the biggest test for Iowa State. Um, There's a few weights where Iowa State's overmatched. One thirty-three definitely sticks out. One sixty-five. Well, one sixty-five. The guy's hurt. Travis Whitlake. So I don't know. What they're going to be doing at 165s, but there's a few matches where Iowa State's outmatched, few uh matches where Oklahoma State is outmatched. So, um, this one is going to be interesting. It's going to depend on who wrestles for Oklahoma State. It's going to depend how Iowa State's feeling after Oklahoma because they're going to be on a road trip. They're going to have to make weight for this second time in three days. So, um, no, this will be a really, really good test for Iowa State.
1: You know, I just hope it doesn't end the way uh last year did um like I said I was looking back at old stuff and coach had said you know a win is a win oh god now I can't find where I had it tabbed but he was saying something along the lines of like yeah it was a win but it wasn't necessarily a good enough win so I hope that Iowa State can come out of it oh I'm thinking of Oklahoma well against Oklahoma really and uh, over the weekend, I feel like dresser has been in this, uh, thought process where he feels there's change and he's telling us like, you know, guys are improving, but they're not doing enough to stand out. Like we've watched them win. The duels are supposed to win. They're winning a little more than we expected, but I feel like the way they, um, respond this weekend is going to say a lot about where the team really stands, especially before they face off, um, I can't remember exactly where in the schedule it is now, but I think you and I will also say a lot
0: about them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You and I, be another really, they always wrestle Iowa state tough. You and I does. And Doug Schwab is a really good coach. So, um, no, that'll be another fantastic test for Iowa state. Um, I think a lot of Iowa state guys, a guy like Kyson Tarakina, a guy like Marcus Coleman, they can really Jarrett Dagan. They can really start to, like you said, show, what they're capable of. They've shown flashes of what they can do. I think they can this weekend really put themselves out there.
1: I'm just ready for those matches where we're like, just like on the edge of your seat, you don't know where it's going. Is it going to go into set of victory? Um, and you're just watching both guys just absolutely fight for it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, what's going to make it exciting is that I feel that both duels this weekend can give us plenty of matches with those exact feelings.
0: Absolutely. No, it's going to be a really fun weekend of wrestling.
1: I am excited. Unfortunately, like I said, they're in Oklahoma. Ben and I will probably be tweeting uh, through them. So definitely give us a follow to listen to all of our rants and quirks and comments this weekend. Um, Ben, any last minute thoughts?
0: Well, you're in Atlanta, Georgia right now, right? I am yeah, it's negative two degrees right now, so you are a very lucky human <laughs> being. Just know that
1: well. I won't tell you that I went to dinner tonight without a jacket on.
0: (laughs) Oh, golly. All right. Well, that's that. We're done. On that
1: note, we're closing it out. All right. Thank you guys for joining us again. Um, Like I said, follow us on Twitter. Follow Ben if you haven't. Great, great wrestling follow. He, I think, is almost even there's just a way. That you explain things, Ben, that I just truly appreciate, and I need all of Cycles fanatic followers to also appreciate. So, mm. go blow up his Twitter follows.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that.
1: But all right, Ben, thank you so much. Thanks everyone for joining us, and we will talk to you next week.